0: Oh, you kind of stand out, don't you? Um, it, finishes, it finishes an outfit, it finishes a costume. It's like the, the dot on the exclamation mark of a, of a costume. I, I just think it, it makes people stand differently. You walk differently in a hat and there's the different kind of presence.
1: Ever wondered what the creative process is behind the films, TV shows and theatre productions you watch? Well, Crew Chats is a new podcast going behind the scenes and chatting to the crew that help make these productions. I'm Brunam and I usually work in the costume department. Whenever I tell people what I do, they're always fascinated. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to hear more from the wonderful people who work behind the scenes to make the films and shows we all love? Today's guest is costume milliner Sophie Lamb, who studied sculpture at university, but had always had an interest in hats and headdresses from a young age. Sophie studied millinery under Rose Corey and went on to work in the millinery and jewelry department at the Royal Opera House. After a number of years at the Royal Opera House, she went to work in the costume department of Riverdance in New York, and later went on to become the head of costume for the European tour of the show for five years. Sophie then took a break to have a family, but maintained links to the industry. She combined motherhood and working as a film daily with work as an in-house masseuse at Leaveston Studios. Sophie later returned to millinery as a costume milliner for film, working on productions such as King Arthur, Assassin's Creed, Fantastic Beasts 1 and 2 and Paddington 2 to name a few. Hi Sophie. Hello Poonam. how are you? Good, thank you. Um, Thank you for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Um, So I'm going to start by asking what you do. Um, You're a milliner and not many people listening or some people may know what it means so if you could just explain what a milliner is and what that involves please
0: i make uh, hats and headdresses for film mainly millinery covers everything from fashion to to film work to um going to ascot or whatever but i'm i'm primarily uh, just a film and tv hat maker
1: it's a fascinating art um do you think i feel like it's something that's dying a dying art maybe is that am i correct in saying that like a skill
0: well in terms of you know the nationwide it probably isn't um because people are still use, going using them for weddings and for going to uh big events but um in terms of of everybody wearing a hat every day like they used to pre-war um you could say it is a dying art um but i wouldn't say i wouldn't say it is no i wouldn't say it is
1: <laughs> what what do you think is the appeal of wearing a hat it sounds like a really random question but what do you think draws people to wearing a
0: hat well you kind of stand out don't you um mm. it finishes it finishes an outfit it finishes a costume it's like the the dot on the exclamation mark of a of a costume i i just think it it makes people stand differently you walk differently in a hat and there's a the different kind of presence um a lot of people find wearing hats really kind of uncomfortable and awkward but I think it's just because they don't normally no I, th- I think people don't like to stand out and if you do want to stand out you wear a hat and our hairstyles also aren't as kind of forgiving for wearing a hat as as they used to be um you know you see people wearing kind of hats perched on the side of the head and it's lit and it doesn't look right but it's I think it's because the hair hair beneath it isn't isn't giving it a platform
1: yeah, that's true. I think it's something we should maybe re um, reintroduce into society. I'm saying this as someone who rarely wears a hat. Actually, I'm, I'm one of those people that's like, oh, it doesn't suit
0: me at all. Well, I, I think I think the difficulty is um, if you go to uh, mainstream shops, um, you'll find that a lot of a lot of hats are, are actually not proper straws. Um, they're kind of synthetic fabric that's that's brought over from abroad. Um, molded and blocked into to shapes so that they can be made in multi-multi million, you know, capacity, and 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 therefore they're, they're just not very good quality. Um, and and I think it really, I think it shows when you wear a really lovely straw or a, or an old an old vintage straw, you really know that that it's a it's a beautiful quality material and it stands out. Yeah. Yeah,
1: that's true. And as you mentioned, the molding and. The sort of creation of it um, so my next question would be then in terms of that is that if a designer comes to you with an idea or a brief how do you start how does the, your creative <clears throat> process start
0: well each designer is kind of different in their approach obviously um, some come with a with an actual specific drawing that they've made um, others just come and give you a kind of mood board or suggestion of colors or um, period of of hat that they want made, and um, kind of try and do kind of five to ten different shapes um, along along the lines of what they've asked for and um, and then see where we can go from there and then kind of have a fitting and see see what you can glean from each shape or style and and then kind of amalgamate them all and make what they actually want.
1: And with the actual practical making process, how do you say if it was like um, I'm going to expose my lack of knowledge in this department, crazily, but if you were making say a a bowler hat, I'm going to throw that out there. (laughs) How would you? Does it? Because there's a block. I people listening may not know, but there's like a there's blocks often that you use that are shaped in a certain way for you to then mold um, the fabric that you're using, the material that you're using to make those hats on
0: yeah they it usually come so that you would you'd be given a or you would buy or purchase a, a hood and a hood can be in felt or straw um and it's a kind of it's a it's a a vague shape um a bit like an upturned bucket and you then would shape it over a wooden or metal block uh, on an industrial level um for bowler hats say that you would get from you know some big makers like uh, Lock & Co or something um, you would they would they would do it in a factory and have it on hot uh, their kind of steam steam blocks like metal blocks uh, and yeah. so it's done very quickly and and sharply and fast um, and you know you can produce lots at a time I don't I don't work like that um, because I'm not a factory um, <laughs> <laughs> Even though you might think I am certain films, but um, it's really just kind of how it's always been, which is with steam. So I have a, a hat steamer, and you steam and and soften up the felt. I'll I'll just use felt as an example, and you soften up the felt, and then and then pull over um, a block um, and tease it down so that you've got a nice you know clean clean shape, and you put pins all the way around. And allow that to dry and go cool because then the felt keeps the shape that you've tried to tried to um, make. And then you would then maybe cut that um, and make a brim that you then reattach and sew by hand onto it. Or you can maybe make a, a flat a flat brim from it by um, again heat, heating and pulling out the the remaining part of the hood. Um, until you have a flat thing and then cut it round. That makes much sense to you because I'm seeing it in my head, so um, I don't describe it well for you. No,
1: you have. You have. It's such a labour-intensive process, actually, where you've described it, and actually, um, just making something by hand like that as well is a craft to it. And I think um, that when you see, watch something, and you see the uh, character wearing a beautiful hat, you don't necessarily think there's X amount of hours that have gone into moulding this and then stitching it and then adding other things onto it to make it beautiful.
0: I think you can really tell when something's been been handmade and or when it's been made in a factory. I think there's a maybe just because it's maybe because of its imperfection. Um, hopefully it's only a slight imperfection, but I, I just think it it really shows when it's when it's made by somebody and not by a machine.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that's very true. I think I was talking to someone else and they were referring to like metal and they were saying that um, similarly to you, where you can see where it's got the little imperfections, but that almost shows the the character of the period as it were rather than
0: exactly exactly it's more believable and more more realistic and how it was I mean yeah yeah, it's a
1: charm to it exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) um
1: so I'm going to circle back to your beginnings and if you could just tell us a little bit about how you got into the costume world
0: well my degree is actually in sculpture uh and but I'd always collected hat from an early age I don't know why I just kind of loved the form. And I finished my degree and decided that I would learn how to make hats properly, um, couture millinery, and went to London and learnt with Rose Corey in London. Then I decided that I would apply for a job at the Royal Opera House and ended up working there for nearly five years in the hat and jewellery department. Uh And I kind of went in sideways. It's a bit like, I mean, you never know where your career is going to take you. And you kind of take two two steps forward and then you go sideways and, you know, you never kind of know what's going to come up. <laughs> um, but they they were doing the refurbishment of the Royal Opera House after I'd been there for that length of time. And I decided to, I'd always wanted to travel and was offered a job on Riverdance, the show, as head of wardrobe, head of costume. So I decided to take it. Um, and that's kind of how I went into it that way. But I'd had actually started from millinery. <laughs> and you circled back to it, I guess,
1: if, in the end, didn't you, as well? Yeah, yeah. To also, river dance, that's pretty cool. Because I remember when I was younger, seeing... It was such a big thing. I feel, I'm assuming it still is it now, but I remember watching on TV. Is it yeah. Michael Flat? No, is it Michael Flat? It was, yes, yeah, yeah, originally. Fla-
0: yeah, originally. <laughs> uh, how was it touring and travelling around? Oh, it was the best. Yeah, it was just great. A lovely time actually certainly those first five years were pretty special we went around the world in five-star accommodation and worked very hard and played hard yeah it was really good yeah we bet you
1: have some good stories from there (laughs) lots
0: of memories Yeah. (laughs)
1: yeah so then you took a break to have children and raise your children how was it then entering back into the costume world did you find it difficult or was it a little bit more straightforward than that
0: Well I'd always kind of kept my I'd I'd kind of kept kept working within the the costume world by um, working as a daily on various films all the way through the time that I had the children Um, and I was also working as a masseur at uh, Leavesden Film Studios so I was always around around the business, so I didn't kind of feel like I'd left it, really. I I, I moved away for a bit, but not, not entirely. And then I guess that helped you with sort
1: of, if then when you were ready to come back, I guess, yeah, it would have been easier to re-enter
0: into the fray, as it were. Yes, it, it was. Working in film is very different to theatre. It's a much faster pace, and you're asked to deliver much more quickly, um, like yesterday, rather than... You know, working on, a, working on a production that's that's not going to be uh, seen for a couple of months. You know, uh, which is what happened at the opera house. You know, you have got you had a bit of time ahead of you to prepare. But with film, it's a very different, very different ball game. Would you say there's one that
1: you enjoy more than the other?
0: No, I, I love working in in film. It's um it's quicker. I, I'm quite impatient, so I I like <laughs> I like the fact that it's you know there's change every day i'm making something different um i never know what's going to be thrown at me and no i, I enjoyed that i enjoyed that challenge yeah
1: me nicely onto my next question which is what has been the most interesting or challenging um hat or headpiece you've been asked to make and then how have you kind of gone about fulfilling that brief that is just the most difficult question oh
0: sorry <laughs> like, uh... The different films I've worked on have all been such different periods. I, I don't think I'd be able to say one in particular. I, oh, I did really enjoy, I'll tell you what, I did really enjoy making a headdress for Paddington 2 for um, oh. a circus performer, an acrobat. It was a, a real joy to make. Um, Lindy Hemming designed it and it was just, it was really fun. Lots of ostrich feathers, lots of pearls. Um, it was just beautiful and she had a lovely concept, and I thought it looked fantastic on, on the performer. Yeah, so oh. I was very, I'm very proud of that, yeah.
1: Oh, that's nice. And also, the Paddington movies are just so good.
0: It was a really fun film, yeah, really good.
1: I can imagine it would be really nice to work on as well. Um, what period do you enjoy making?
0: I really, really enjoy the 1930s, 1940s. They're just beautiful, beautiful designs. And I think the whole style of the whole the whole period was very stylish for women i mean i think particularly i tend to do i tend to do female hats as opposed to men i do do men as well but it it tends to be more um more female and i i just think it's just a beautiful period i mean they the line the 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 whole silhouette of the of the whole costume is just stunning and um yeah so i'd probably say 1930s 40s Ah, uh, is a good period. I
1: do, I do love the thirties as well. They're so beautiful. Um, I'm guessing that would be your ideal job if someone said, "Here's a thirties, forties film, <laughs> this would be your cup of tea."
0: I have been very lucky because I've I've done two two kind of nineteen thirties films uh, on Fantastic Beasts recently, so that they've been real joy to work on. Uh, do you enjoy prefer the jobs where there's very specific, straight to the period,
1: or something with more of a fantasy element?
0: Uh, I think it's, um, I, I don't know if I can answer that. I, I think I quite, like, I quite like kind of strict strict period, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, but then quite often you'll be asked to make it in a different kind of fabric or material. So you then have a you know, slight twist that takes it away from just trying to recreate something from the past. And what do you most enjoy about what you do? What are the highlights of your job? I, I just really like creating things. I like creating things three dimensionally I suppose that will come from my sculpture background I just I enjoy the fact that you can work with something from from a flat piece of material or um or hood or whatever and then you you, within minutes you have you have created a another form it's just and it's fast it's quick um and I I really enjoyed that I don't know why particularly maybe it's kind of tactile I don't know and it's a real pleasure seeing it on seeing it on a big screen. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I say we all. I think most people have said it's an
1: extremely gratifying job that we have because you make something and it's pretty in- instantaneous with the the outcome. And then you seeing it, whether it be on set or once it's actually been released as a film. Um, have you ever thought about going into the fashion world? Has that ever been something that's appealed to you? No, not at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it's
0: not my st- Not my style. No. um and what
1: have been if you were giving advice to people coming into this world and maybe coming into millinery, what are the things that you've taken away and learnt from doing what you do because you've not just it's been theatre as well that you've worked and you've toured as well what would you say to someone
0: I think I'd um go and go and have a look at um, originals I think that's been a real help that I've you know done more recently you know go to the v go to the archives and have a look and see how things are constructed and um, I think that really kind of helps but also just to to keep uh, your mind open to lots of different things go and do different courses um, get lots of strings to your bow so that you never know when you're going to be using them that's what i probably would say.
1: Mm. yeah that's good advice i think um being multi-talented is always a good a good way to go. definitely
0: definitely. yeah <laughs> and what inspires you? um i think what inspires me is is being able to be creative on a daily basis is is pretty i was really lucky. i mean i'm i feel like i have a very lucky job doing something i love and um i think that in, that inspires me really i'm not behind a desk um or you know doing a 9 to 5 which i just don't think suits how i am as a person and you know so why would you not feel inspired by being able to go and do a job you really want to do and fantastic designers yeah it's very
1: true and you also i guess also we're surrounded by creative things almost constantly whether it be other people we work with making things or pictures up on the wall or oh it's just
0: best being able to walk around the different departments and have a chat with people and see what they're doing and and you're all collectively working on the same thing but and everyone's kind of in their bubble doing their stuff and then you see it all coming together piece by piece and oh it's just brilliant yeah yeah it's definitely very satisfying after that i think the (laughs) thing we most recently worked on together
1: i found um it was in a random location in terms of actually physically where we were, but I found it was, well, certainly in our room, we had loads of stuff lying around, not lying around, purposely placed um, <laughs> everywhere. And then if we'd go up to where you guys were, there was hats in the shells, and then the makers had all their stuff out. So it was very, it was, you get kind of get a little bit of a buzz, I think when you sort of walk around and see things and you're like, Oh, this is something you're working towards, which I think is really lovely. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I agree. So. So, which brings me on to my final question, which is, what are your two watch recommendations?
0: Well, this was a really difficult one. I'm sure everybody said this to you, but I mean, they just do. to choose, I had to narrow it down in some way, so I just decided um that I would choose three that I've watched recently rather than things maybe from way back that I would recommend so my first one would be um." That I watched very recently, which is a documentary called White Riot, uh-huh. which basically um, is uh, directed by Rubika Shah, and it, it just documents the the rock against racism progression from from a humble kind of magazine to to a complete movement, and uh, you know in the seventies it just it was just really amazing. It had archive footage and so yeah so. Th- and it's very current, you know, it's an anti-fascist documentary, but it's just, it just shows the spirit of people. I just was really blown away by it, actually. Um, yeah, really good. Really, really good. Ah. Um, and I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you heard of it?
1: I've never, I only heard, I've only, only because now you've mentioned it, but I'll have a look. Um, I've never, no, I haven't never
0: heard of it. I think it's only just come out um, this May, in fact, I think. Ah, um... really new then. Yeah, really new. Um, I saw a screening last year of it, and um, I think then they had to delay, obviously, because of what's been going on. But I, it's really worth seeing. Yeah, really, really worth a view. Um, a second one um, is an old film, but I I saw it again recently, which is Billy Elliot. Ah, oh, I love that film. And um, I mean, you know, it's just a, such a good a feel good film directed by Stephen Daldry, um, and set in During the Miner's Strike in 84-85 and Jamie Bell's fantastic in it and I'm sure you know the story of him dreaming to aspiring to be a, a, a ballet dancer and it just covers so much stuff uh, so many um, stereotypes of you know boys becoming becoming ballet dancers they must be gay and um, and then it and then it covers the whole of the minor strike and, and Thatcher and I don't know, it's just fantastic. And my mum's also in it, so I, it's always been a is bit she? Special one, yeah. <laughs> She's got a small part in it. So it's always been a bit of a special one. Um Aww. yeah. So that's my second my second recommendation. Very good movie. And oh, and the music's fantastic as well. Yes. Mustn't forget that. Just Up my street. Um and then the third one was another film which is a bit of an uh, an odd one, but um, I don't think many people would have heard of it. And I think it kind of went under the radar having come out, which is a real shame, which is a film called Sunset. And it was a Hungarian film set in Hungary pre-World War One, And I it just stayed with me. It's just a really, it was all about a milliner, which is why I went to it originally. Um, and it, it was just beautifully, beautifully shot. And it just, again, but but also had very strong um political side to it um beginning of the kind of the whole of the destruction of society before world war one it was just really kind of it was a very very moving film yeah And beautiful. Oh, is, is awesome. that a recent one uh two, well that was 2018 i think it was a couple of years ago maybe yeah. um but really really beautiful
1: yeah oh, add that to the list mm. I've got a very long growing list of things I need
0: to I'm watch, sure so. you're going to be there for days watching all of this. <laughs>
1: Luckily, show. I have the time now. <laughs> um, yes. Um, thank you for your recommendations and thank you for coming on the podcast. It's been very fun. Oh, thank you, Poonam. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sophie. Tune into the next episode where I'll be speaking to Wig Assistant Ankarad Reid. And if you get a moment, could you please like, follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the Crew Chats podcast on Instagram. Thank you.